You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, how's everybody doing as we take you through yet another episode of Locked On Browns, and again, closer and closer as we get to camp and you know having daily things to talk about team-wise, which we're truly looking forward to. Um... You know, obviously, the last couple episodes, uh, you guys are really enjoying it. I guess the juice is coming back. Maybe some of it is because maybe the Indians aren't playing. Um, hats off to the city of Cleveland. Um, last couple of nights were truly – look, I'm, I'm just seeing it. I, I'm just talking as a true spectator off of television. Um, you, when you host the All-Star game, one thing you hope for is actually a good game, which you got last night. Uh, nobody wants to see a 13-12 freaking slugfest. Um, you had a nice 4-3 ball game, you know, well-contested. Pete Alonzo, just another good night. Pete, maybe Pete, but I'll get, be, all right, we'll get into this. Uh, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound uh, with your local experts on the biggest stories. Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, um, Hotels.com. There's still time, guys. Summer's not over yet. Get rewarded. Use Hotels, Hotels.com. Go away, you know, do something with your close ones, your loved ones. At least get a couple memories here the summer of 19. Uh, be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Uh, Pete, maybe it's time where the Indians should just go get Pete Alonzo. Look, he's had a good couple of days there. The Mets are only going to fuck this up anyway. Maybe just go ahead and find a way to sneak him out, keep him there and, uh, you know, just make some nice memories. Plus, this way I can I can almost maybe double dip then. Well, first, I mean, the All-Star game was very nice, though all – Though I found the in-play interviews very awkward, um, they're just they're just weird as it is. I, I mean, because I mean, literally, the guy's trying to do his job, and you're asking him questions. So I mean, you're kind of saw you know basically tossing up some softballs. And the other thing is, is maybe it works better with an outfielder, not a shortstop, not a first baseman. I thought it was better with the shortstop, honestly, because you saw some actual adjustments and stuff like he was doing in, in during the at-bat, whereas the right fielder is just, like, bored. Um, they did it with Bryce Harper a couple years back. He started talking to Joe Buck about the Cowboys. <laughs> but, yeah, it's – it's. I thought that was awkward. But, but no, the, the, the sort of lasting take out of this for Indians fans is, one, finding another reason to – absolutely love everything Francisco Lindor and being reminded by the harsh reality that, you know, it's, it's, it seems to be a ticking clock with him that he's going to go elsewhere and people sort of either, either re being re angry about that, um, that, that, that at the Dolans for their cheapness or talking themselves into somehow, some way that they're going to figure out how to get him kept. So that is largely the the thing with the All Star Game. I mean, again, I fell asleep during the home run derby. Uh, I'm washed and useless at this point. Not, but it went that went for three hours. So don't bring uh, up no. age anymore, then, pal. There's no difference. I may have the higher number, but we're both the same dude. All right. Um, <laughs> one of us is a lot closer to the grave than the other. Um, and and but <laughs> I, I, I did I was I was sort of in and out with the All Star game, but it, it was entertaining. Uh, you know, it, it it was a close game. Uh, so you know, the whole sort of weekend, um, sort of lived up to the billing you'd hope it would. And and you know, the, it 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 was not. You know, speaking of the right awkward right fielder, he he at least you know maybe he was just being very polite was very complimentary of Cleveland and and their handling of the All Star game and saying everything was great so all those things are great but yeah the Indians as a team are just 
very frustrating for people in general because they want to love this team and there's so much that they, they, they can grab a hold on to. And then there's sort of this, this nagging reality that's sort of stiff arming you that you're sort of like, you know, as opposed to like the Browns in particular, where it feels like you're, you own, you know, own in the figurative sense, not in, I don't want to get a bunch of tweets about, well, this is, you know, sounds like talking about slavery. Um, <laughs> the sense that you're, you, you have, you are bought, you're, you have bought to own in the sense of like Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, and Denzel Ward and these guys. Whereas with, with the, you know, with the Indians, it always feels like you're renting superstars because there's always a, a timeline where these guys are going to go. Jim Tomey is a sore subject. Uh, CC Sabathia, obviously, yeah. was in the All Star game, was a guy who was in Cleveland for nine years. Uh, Michael Brantley, who's an All Star, uh, ultimately they had to move on from him because of money. They brought back Carlos Santana after he left uh, because they couldn't afford it. So there's always this sort of unf- this unfortunate relationship with the Indians that you, you're dealing with the the small market realities uh, of Major League Baseball and and that. So it's like. It, everything with the Indians always is it's great with a butt, and that's unfortunately what it is day to day with the Indians. But sure, it'd be nice to get uh, uh, Pete Alonso. On the other hand, I don't mind having Gun Girl be a Mets fan, and you can keep her. Um, she still lives there. Um, look, I'll build the wall around New Jersey. My goddamn self, uh, we're good. Uh, no thanks. Although there is a real percentage part of New Jersey where. She'd be welcome with open arms and <laughs> gag me with that. Um, but this part of this, though, is you know with Cleveland doing the job they did. Uh, you know, obviously, you know with Sunday, uh, you know, celebrity softball game, the futures game, then the uh, home run derby Monday night, then the All Star game last night. Uh, quick side note on that: you get me a Major League Baseball All Star game, I'm in and out in three hours. Mm. That's perfect. Absolutely perfect. And look, it, it should be that simple. Each pitcher pitches one inning uh, for the Indians. I hope Brad Hand, Brad Hand will be ready to go when they're ready to play on Friday because, you know, uh, looking uh, looking at Francona in a dugout going, dude, you've got my closer throwing 33 pitches in an inning in an exhibition game. Uh, I, I would have been furious, but. You know, I still have a job to do, at, you know, at the end of the day. So that's what I'm kind of thinking where Francona was with that. But now you see things and, you know, is the city of Cleveland ready for where this Browns product can go in 19? It, I mean, it looks like it. Look, if if the team's ready to rock, the city's ready to rock along with it. And then obviously you also bring in the fact that uh, there is the, the uh, there's the 2021 NFL draft. And I believe Pete as well. What is it? The 2022 NBA All-Star game. And, and it's it's just great for the city of Cleveland and and seeing and, and seeing the enthusiasm just from you know the, the local folks on Twitter who are around but even national writers and, and seeing folks who are out there for it and seeing the way and the positive words that they came back and spoke about it you, you gotta love it and look you know obviously you know the Cavs you know they had that lo- you know obviously the three one getting the ring you know obviously getting the title um where they are right now, it's a bunch of young kids and obviously a good head coach to see how that plays out. But, you know, now the Browns are the main focus. Indians are still competing and playing their butts off. Um, but I understand, like, I, I think of, it's, you know, it's almost similar to, like, Seattle. They had a really, really nice run with A-Rod, but they knew 
it's going to be over the second A-Rod goes. We, there's no way in hell we're going to afford him. And you look at a guy like Lindor, and it's probably going to make everybody in that city puke, knowing that there's probably a 75% chance somehow, some way, he'll be a freaking New York Yankee, which I get, which is why I'm on the other side of the fandom here in New Jersey. Um, Pete, you've been in and out today, obviously, but uh, one of the big ones here today, and first things first, I don't want to have... <laughs> The fact that we're having a would you rather have Mitch Trubisky or Jimmy Garoppolo conversation is, you know, look, I mean, it just tells you, look, that we're, everybody's ready to go to work, but we don't really have enough to work on. You can see everybody football-wise is ready to work. Um, but look, Mitch Trubisky, we've seen a season and a half. Um, if you're not a fan, you don't think he's the dude, that's fine. Kind of where I'm at. Jimmy Garoppolo has had a bunch of scattered starts over a few times. So I will say this. If you're really sure he's not the goods, I'm not sure we have enough. If you really think he is the goods, I'm not sure we have enough. But, I mean, this is where we're are, Pete, uh, we're at right now, Pete. The juices are flowing for everybody. We need some freaking football to talk about. This is to the point where we are is we're comparing whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo or Mitchell Trubisky is a better quarterback. Right. Um, so, for me, Jimmy Garoppolo is hasn't done anything at all. Um and if you go by the numbers, uh, Nick Mullins is just as good. Like if you if you took away the handsomeness factor here, and you just threw out a guy with a uniform on, and you had to pick him out, chances are you couldn't pick out uh, Garoppolo versus Mullins. They're pretty much the same thing. And I'm not ready to buy into Garoppolo at all. Uh, the fact that uh, I think Shanahan is partly partly responsible for this. That he's he's very good at scheming his guys. Uh, open uh, and create opportunities, but you know the, the fact that these two quarterbacks aren't um, aren't haven't separated themselves. One from you know this is a guy that at one point you had media in Cleveland talking about giving up the first overall pick for this guy uh, that became Baker Mayfield. Like they were ready to trade that and say, "Here you Based go." Based on two starts, two starts, and and he's. And, and a guy who's been injured a ton relative to his playing in the NFL. You know, even when he was with New England, he had injury questions. Uh, that was one of the things that came up when he was potentially being shopped uh, is that he, he played like two games and got hurt. And then he goes to, you know, and don't get me wrong, it's a fluke injury, but he goes to San Francisco and then, and then gets his knee wrenched and he's out for the year. So... There's just nothing there. I mean, and I, I, I look. I'm not convinced that Mar- that uh, Mitchell Trubisky isn't Mark Sanchez at this point. I, I think certainly his rookie year didn't do him a ton of favors, and I think him getting a, a better coach certainly helps. But at the same time, he came out of college with so little experience, and it looks it. It it, it always looks like he's confused on what's going on. It doesn't look like he sees things very well. He does not throw well to one side of the field and the numbers back it up and people can claim it's not true. It is a hundred percent true. He has, has to prove that he can consistently pass to the left side of the field and he's not Rick Meyer. Uh, and so much of their, their offense is because, you know, based around like creating situations and like plays for running backs and stuff like that. Again, it's, it's a really good, uh, coaching situation in his second year. So he's got to take a big step forward. But if you're saying, who am I betting on? Uh, neither. I mean, the, 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 neither one does anything for me at this point. And, and, and uh, you know, if you're talking about where they rank relative to the league, somebody's going to tell you that Garoppolo is like a top 
12 quarterback. I'm not convinced he's a top 20 quarterback yet. Uh, and the same thing for Trubisky. If you ask, if, if in either situation, if you're saying, how are the Raiders or the 49ers going to do and how are the Bears going to do? The question is entirely based around how well you think the, the respective quarterbacks are going to do. In the Bears case, they are the favorites to win the NFC North uh, based on their their outstanding defense, which played at historic levels last year. Yep. Uh, they, I, I checked the numbers on this because people were telling me how, how great Trubisky was in the playoff game where they scored 15 points or 16 points or whatever, uh, but they missed the field goal. That as if that was the you know that was the biggest problem. They they were 10 and one in games where they held the opponent under 20 points. The one was the playoff game. They just don't score enough and they lose. Uh, that's not that's not because your your kicker blew it. It's because your your offense just doesn't generate enough points. Uh, meanwhile, the 49ers. Again, your entire outlook depends on how good you feel about the quarterback position. You've got a lot of skill players. You've got some uh, interesting defense. I mean, DeForest Buckner's a stud. You're hoping that Nick Bosa is going to come in and play well. You're hoping that uh, what's his face, the kid from Stanford, is going to rebound after his, you know, or at least, or at least now it's so good around him where you know he should be able to just you know put his way into making some significant plays. Maybe you're not going to get a overall great grade from him, but he can make some game-changing plays from time to time. Right. So, you know, the, the, Solomon Thomas. Yeah. Solomon Thomas. There we go. It, and, and obviously, you know, part of that is he had some significant personal struggles in his life. And hopefully that, you know, he has uh, been obviously very brave and sort of revealing that and, and where he goes from here. And hopefully, you know, I, I, I change the fact he's a tweener. True. I, I think he it was a great prospect coming out. I think he should be very successful, so I'm hoping they can do that. But the, the 49ers are a big ball of potential, but it all hinges on is there a quarterback who's going to pull that thing together. So you're bet basically an argument between which quarterback you betting on to exceed what he's done so far because neither one's done shit. Oh, no, and look, I, I mean, I, I am 100% with you with the Bears because the thing now, and, I, you know, obviously I talk a lot, and I know, you know, the Bears, I know well. My brother-in-law, Keith, is a big Chicago Bears fan. And, you know, it, it's, and, the, you know, it, he's a little older than me, so his football thoughts are a little antiquated. And it's, look, it's great to have a kick-ass defense. But, you know, most, most offenses, if things are humming, they should be able to put up close to 20 points in an NFL game. And if you can't win those games, it don't matter. And it doesn't go down to your wide receivers. It doesn't go back to your kicker. It doesn't go back to your running back. It goes back to one position and one position only. Um, can you operate this offense? Can you engineer it to 300 yards passing? Can you engineer two to three touchdown passes? That is pretty much what is expected of the good quarterbacks in this league. Uh, look, Jimmy Garoppolo, for me, it's a complete mixed bag. Um, obviously, you know, there was some time in New England. He was supposed to start for a whole month. Guess what? He only started two games and got hurt, couldn't games before Tom Brady came back. Uh, goes to San Francisco, plays what looked pretty good in some absolutely meaningless games for the San Francisco 49ers. Meanwhile, they handed him, you know, on the surface, $130 million, but it was a shit ton of money handed to him up front. And now you, you've you know you filled in some blanks. You know you signed a linebacker to you know, a 
mega free agent contract. I'm not sure about Quan Alexander. But you added Nick Bosa to what was a pretty good defensive line. You have a nice-looking offensive line. You brought in Tevin Coleman. You got 275 running backs that can do some things carrying the ball, but also excel very well at receiving. Dante Pettis stepped up last year. You drafted a Debo Samuel. You drafted an offensive chess piece in Jalen Hurd. But in the same respect, San Francisco could go 5-11 and this year and be looking at the 2020 draft and going, well, who do we like at the quarterback position? You truly have, and this is the thing, you have no idea what Jimmy Garoppolo is right now. You don't know if he's a shitty quarterback. You don't know if he's a good quarterback. You don't know if he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. They have no idea, and it still stuns me. And even that, yeah, I mean, and you talking about, oh, we'll give up, you know, pick one for, are these people insane? It's He's literally the mystery box. He That is what he is. It's it's a mystery box. You have no idea what Jimmy Garoppolo is. Could he improve, you know, from what we've seen? Sure. But, you know, and then you think how, you know, and like you mentioned, Nick Mullins kind of had that offense, at least the passing portion of it, running pretty well last year so if jimmy can't do that i mean could you imagine having to sit jimmy garoppolo to play nick mullins could you imagine what that would go on in san francisco yes i can imagine all these things uh i i don't i don't put it past any of those things happening whether he gets injured or is just ineffective um i i, I, I and having you know some exposure to kyle shanahan in cleveland uh i don't doubt any of these things could happen um you know and i don't doubt that they there could be a situation where the the team essentially goes about like five and eleven six and ten where the, where there's it's everything seems to be solid but the quarterback isn't enough um who, you know whoever plays quarterback if it's if it's still kittle or they like somebody else the number one guy is going to get their numbers period that's just that's just what shanahan does it's it's interesting to see what will happen in terms of uh, the, that running back situation because they keep bringing in what are supposed to be premium backs and, and various things happen. Obviously, they had uh, the dude from uh, Georgia Southern who, you know, Jared McKinnon, stuff, yeah, who immediately got injured, unfortunately. Now oh, at an ACL, he was there for a hot minute. Yeah, and they, they've got him, and, they, and Brita has been pretty good. They've signed uh, Tevin Coleman this offseason. And, and, and they, now they've got, you know, a surplus of receiving talent. Now they have to, those guys have to step up and actually be proven. But in terms of just numbers, you're looking at this and going, well, they have more guys than they have spots, you know, theoretical guys. Um, so they've got a lot to sort out. But again, no, none of it matters unless the quarterback situation gets uh, figured out. And, and my thought is baseline that Garoppolo slash Mullins are both average quarterbacks uh i don't think either one is bad i think they're both middle of the road the issue is that middle of the road doesn't get it get you anywhere but killed in the nfl uh because you end up sinking a, a stupid amount of money into them as garoppolo already has and you don't get anywhere so that's the thing and and, and mitchell trubisky again if he takes a step forward you know, and he's a, a, a goes to be a good quarterback. The Bears are the the favorite to win the, to represent the Super Bowl uh, or represent the NFC in the Super Bowl. If he doesn't, then it's you know it, it's Mark Sanchez situation, which is you know we can get to the playoffs, we're in good shape. How far is you know can we win? How 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 much do we get out of him? Is he going to hold us back? Those type of questions. So that's where those things are at. Meanwhile. You know, I don't have any of these concerns with Baker Mayfield. Nope. 
<laughs> None whatsoever. Uh, hope the honeymoon is fantastic. <laughs> what makes that debate fascinating for me is I uh, there were ardent supporters of the of, of people saying the Browns should take both of them uh, as opposed to Miles Miles Garrett and Baker Mayfield. And thank <laughs> God Browns did it right, and I was right because they are infinitely better off. Uh, in the situation they are now, as opposed to having either one of those guys, the the franchise, that's one of those you know historical forks in the road that could have gone awful. And thankfully, this you know in the, in the past twenty years, uh, the routine was always taking the wrong fork. Uh, in this particular uh, situation, they managed to get it right both times. And I I remember because that draft that may have been the first time that you were I went on a show together with Bill Carroll. James Coburn, and we were talking about you know, the Brown selection of Miles Garrett, and I, I know what I said. I said, well, they didn't Browns this pick, and you, when you get all excited, yes, exactly, they did not They did not Browns this pick, and and look, I mean, so you got the foundation on one side, a year later you come back and you got the foundation on the other side, and that's the joy of this, guys, Um, because as Browns fans talking about the Cleveland Browns with this pod, is you can kind of, it, it's nice when you can kind of look at other teams and situations right now and kind of point the finger and say, hey, thank God we're not those jackasses. It's coming. Right. Guys. There's going to be more of that. It's the difference between having a quarterback you don't know the answer to and having a guy that is in the conversation, at least, uh, for Defensive Player of the Year, whether that's just talk or ends up being a real thing. But that's, you know, that's the difference. And meanwhile, you you know, and I don't think Baker Mayfield is an MVP candidate is a real conversation, but it, it's at least um, up, whereas, you know, I, I and and maybe I'm in the vast the minority here. I don't know that either uh, either the 49ers or Bears have a quarterback that they can actually build around. Mm, and which would be a really really tough pill to swallow because you have a lot of pieces in place at other positions. Um, guys, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Um, no, uh, now you need to increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Um, every now and then, look, when you're going to get your limited opportunities, and this is going to happen with marriage, it's going to happen with children. Um, so when it's time to go, you got to make sure you are ready to go. That is where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready for whenever that opportunity arises. Um, <clears throat> Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Uh, they're made in the U.S., and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for your, uh, for all the listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and you get your first shipment free when you use the promo code, all caps, C-O-D-E, just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E, like the color, promo code, all caps, code. Try it today. It is free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Pete, there is this article now from, and I want to make sure I say the name right, uh, Ale Benpure uh, from NFL.com, and it's basically you know about the threesomes, which would be offensive skill positions, guys, just because we went from Blue Chew to this, don't lose your dirty-ass minds. 
Um, and he's obviously quarterback, top wide receiver, top running back. Saints with Drew Brees, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, number one. The Chargers, Phillip Rivers, uh, Melvin Gordon, Keenan Allen, number two, are Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, and Odell Beckham Jr., number three. Go ahead, Pete. I know you're always chomping at the bit at shit like this. No, I have no problem with the first three. Where, where I have a problem is the next three after that. No, yeah, keep going. Four. Four. Um, so after that, they have Green Bay, which is Aaron Jones, uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. I really How like much him. weight is Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams carrying here that Aaron Jones is, is in this? And you right. know I'm an Aaron Jones guy. Right, and here's the, the next one. Five, the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Damian Williams. Williams. Oh, come on. These guys are doing all the heavy lifting. Okay, and then you follow that up with Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Devontae Freeman. Uh, For the six games a year he plays right now. And I hate to pick on the Seminole, but that's a fact right now. And then Tom Brady, Julian Edelman, and Sony Michelle. And the thing is... I think Tony Michelle's better in terms of this stuff than Julian Edelman is during the regular season. Well, I mean, but, then, but the Patriots are such a flavor of the week offensively. Uh, I mean, you can't just say running back position and say Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead, James White, uh, Julian Edelman, whatever tight end is going to catch seven touchdown passes this year because you know one of them's going to do it. You, you can't. I mean, you, if you're going to do it, you better come with the quality names. Oh, after that, Jared Goff. Todd Gurley, and Brandon Cooks. To me, that group should be four. And I don't even like J- Jared Goff all that much. I think- And we went on nauseam over the playoffs. That Like, please, just somebody say something's not right with Todd Gurley. Because we don't know if we're ever going to truly see what Todd Gurley was when he was really, really good. Because now you're, I mean, and they're telling you right now, we're, you know, uh, there, there's a knee thing going on. Right, so... Look, I mean, if you're, you are breaking this down to only pick one of the Rams receivers, so you end up with Brandon Cooks, who's very good in this thing, as opposed to Robert Woods, who's also very good. I again, I don't love Jared Goff. I think he's, I think he's protected quite a bit by the offense he's in and having Todd Gurley and those other things. Nevertheless, in terms of like offensive production, it's it's obviously very high. And Todd Gurley, again, I don't think you can. This accounts for any potential arthritic knee issues. And then Brandon Cooks is, I think, is uh, relative to the average fan underrated. Uh, like based on this thing, I think this is ultimately like a fantasy deal, but uh, or some they've come with some some type of point system they came up with this. But based on production. Uh, that they have, Brandon Cooks ranks higher than T.Y. Hilton, who is obviously very, very good. So if you're going with this, I don't know how this group is not fourth. And and that's, you know, look, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers and, and Patrick Mahomes are phenomenal. It's just in terms of if I'm actually accounting for the three guys here as opposed to do get two guys and the dead weight they're carrying with them, then the Rams would be the best, the next best true triplet threat to me. But again, that's you know, they came with their little point system, and that's ultimately how they got to this. But yeah, I mean, the Browns at three is fine, the Chargers at two is fine, and the Saints at one is is more than reasonable. So, uh, you know, as far as that goes, I, I just think you know it sort of 
First, this this article really cheapens what running backs bring to the table, like to an insane degree that they're basically like, yeah, running back, whatever. The other the other thing I noticed from this list, let me see if I can find them. Dallas, the overrated Dallas Cowboys, at least for my money, down at twelve, twelve. So and, and, every, and everybody's talking about how they're going to give each each one of these three a hundred million dollar contract. They're damn near close to it, right? And, and of that, Ezekiel Elliott is the number one running back, according to this thing. That means that Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper aren't doing much uh, if they're behind 11 other teams. That's That would be of concern to me. This is why I, I am very dubious in the idea of extending Amari Cooper to a stupid amount of money, and I'm very dubious about the idea of extending Dak Prescott to a stupid amount of money, which is why I would not have traded for Amari Cooper. That You know, the people are still, oh, it's great. Look what he did down the stretch of all this. First, he was hit or miss. You know, he's Week great. on, week off. Right, and then you come to the reality of, well, now you have to pay this guy a stupid amount of money, and now you're in a situation where all these three guys, you're going to have to decide who to pay and who not to pay, and the smartest thing they can do is not pay any of them, but they're likely going to pay at least two of them. Well, I mean, in, look, most likely it's going to be the quarterback because that's just usually what teams do. Um, and it's tough with Ezekiel because you know there's a little bit of a, you know, he's kind of a, you know, a firecracker where somebody already lit the wick. So you have to be careful there. I mean, Amari, at least, you know, you, you know, there has been some health issues, but as far as all field, he's clean. So it's it's going to be really tough how it works out that way. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, but it is a fun list, and and you do wonder how these things are equated by the person who writes it. And you know, I mean, look, the Saints one, I, I really don't have an issue with. You know, Kamara, uh, Michael Thomas. I mean, I mean, two of the most dominating players at the positions in the game. Uh, you know, obviously the Chargers. You know, but the the thing with the Chargers is, is what happens when you don't have Melvin Gordon, because it, you know, that seems to be a thing. You know, where he misses a little bit of time. And Philip Rivers, this could be a beautiful thing where you put him here at two to start the season, but you could, you know, you know, you you do have some concerns about, you know, Philip and you know these guys. Sometimes it's when it's gone, it's over, and it's you know, you know, just like Eli and nobody in New York realizes it. There's just a time where it comes with these quarterbacks at this age where that's it. You just don't have it anymore, and it's it's not a question of you're getting it back. That's it. It it it's over. So this stuff could all obviously change very very quickly. Um. Some questions to the Locked On Browns uh, DM account today, and I appreciate you guys for doing this. Uh, you know, some of these guys were out in front of this well before I even put. Uh, you know, when I usually put up on Twitter, which is usually an hour before. You know, Pete and I sit down. Uh, from at Luckbuck, at underscore Luckbuck, I should say. Uh, given the multitude of talent at the skill position uh, with the Browns, what type of personnel grouping would you like to see or think Freddie can get creative with? Um, for me, Pete, I, I guess it's going to be 11. It's going to be one back. It's going to be one tight end, three wide receivers of choice. And, I mean, of course, obviously there's more they can do. But, you know, just the thought of any formation where it's whatever running back of choice once Kareem Hunt comes back. But, you know, for the first eight games, Nick Chubb, obvious passing situations, Duke Johnson, David Njoku on the field, Odell Beckham on the field, and what other two wide receivers you choose, my God. I mean, that's just fun. Um, yeah, I think that is easily their best personnel grouping in terms of what they can do. Um, if you're asking what is the most creative, then it would be two backs 
and you have Duke and Chubb or Duke and Kareem on the field at the same time, or Kareem and uh, and Kareem and uh, Chubb, and that that be, because of the options you have in terms of uh, receiving options and 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 using them, you know, having a Duke Johnson or a Kareem Hunt run, you know, true receiver routes. What you can do as far as moving them in motion and uh, moving them out to receiver spots and trying to, you know, basically taking a guy out of the backfield, motioning him out to space. Uh, and then potentially having him on like uh, a linebacker isolated and doing those types of things. That is the most creative area they can be, be in. But certainly uh, 11 personnel is, is the area where they should be able to do the most in terms of effectiveness and damage to opposing offenses because uh, you can easily uh, change that and have Najoku become another receiver uh, and and essentially uh, move him around, whether you want to put him on the boundary, whether you want to keep him in the slot, whether you want to keep him in line, uh, and you can move Beckham into the slot. You can do all those type of things. But the standard base offense should theoretically have Odell Beckham just takes over one side of the field, and whatever side he takes over, it doesn't matter. The Ultimately, it's going to be how much damage can David Njoku take? Uh, can, how much damage can he do with the space he now has in the middle of the field? And then you take that to the next step, and you know you've got these two massive weapons theoretically on areas of the field, and now you still have a running back that sort of takes advantage of the space that they have now created, uh, whether that's in the passing game, whether that's on the running game, and just all of the things that come with that. So. I'm 100% with you. The 11 personnel is what uh, they what what they should be in the most. And I think it also it, it goes back a little bit more to what you know Baker is. I, I don't want to say Baker can't adapt, but it, it, that's probably Baker's comfort zone. Um, you know, obviously played with t- tight ends, played with Trey Flowers, who was a pseudo fullback, pseudo tight end at Oklahoma. Um, obviously, always a running back on the field. It's it, it's. If you want to keep Baker comfortable and maybe where you can start to use Baker to work with you to put together what you think is a good game plan, that is probably the best one. Um, one thing on these personnel things, guys. Um, I do get some questions on this. Um, you hear the number, 12 personnel, 13 personnel. Go with the numbers. First number, so if it's 11 personnel, one running back. If it's 11 personnel, one tight end, so that makes you 11. So therefore, you fill out the rest, three tight ends. So, you know, 13, pers- 13 personnel would be, you know, kind of goal line, three tight ends, one back, that type of stuff. So, you know, when you hear people say 11 personnel, 13 personnel, 12 personnel, first number, running back, second number, tight ends, and then obviously you can fill in the wide receiver number from there. Uh, great question. Appreciate that. Uh, luck puck. Um, at Skag Daddy, um, again, appreciate for another question here. Um, and now, Pete, this is probably one that is good to give to you. And his question is, is essentially based around the fact of, is to use the term pro-style quarterback probably just something that should be dead and buried at this point? I mean, you know, Pete, I've seen what you guys run. Um, you know, I know what the <laughs> high school here in my town runs. I mean, a lot of it is predicated on your quarterback being able to move around a little bit. Is There's really pro-style... I mean, I think it's more of a recruiting label which says, A, you're six foot three, B, you're over 200 pounds, which maybe pro-style means that maybe you'd be on the NFL radar because of size. I don't think it's a play thing anymore, is it? 
Um, pro style can refer to a couple things. Typically, when I hear pro style, I think they are first. It's route tree. Are you using a pro style route tree, or or are you using more street ball? Yeah, street ball. You Emphasizing know, athletes. Yeah, that and combination routes and and sort of a little bit of make it up as you go along type stuff. I mean, are you? Are you asking guys, you know, are you asking guys to run discipline routes with certain markers and those things? And, you know, if an NFL team or whatever said run a run a curl, you know, somebody knows what a curl is and, and can run it, you know, that type of stuff. And the other part when when I hear pro style is I think at least some of your offense is under uh, operating from under center and has a passing game element to it. Uh, that has play action where you are turning your back to the defense. Um, that is what comes to mind when I hear it. Um, it's largely outdated, but again, it all, I mean, it, 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 it does make sense in so far as uh, it gives me an idea of what somebody's doing. But the thing is, uh, people say it so often that it's not, um, it's, it's, used so wrong so often that I yes. don't put much meaning to it. Like people's definition of pro style is different. Um, but, but I think a lot of it is really about your definition of spread. And then the rest of it ends up being pro style. So it's, but that's even where it's, 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 it's such a wrong phrase in its face now is because, well, where do you view pro style? Because turn on the TV on Sunday turn on the TV on Thursday night. Everybody's doing a little bit of everything, even if you were, you know, truly not you know, going with some spread type of offense and, you know, and flooding zones and it it's it, it just seems an outdated definition. It, it it's definitely in need of an upgrade. Right. Um and yeah, especially because a lot of it depends on what teams are looking for, but uh, if you, you know, again, if you're talking about what do you want to see in the NFL, you know, projecting the NFL, um, you know, obviously whatever your offense is doing, ultimately it's about what your quarterback is doing to be successful and, and, and those type of things. But if you're running basically, you know, what amounts to a backyard offense with a bunch of sort of invented routes that don't really translate, I understand why people are concerned in the same respect. I still put value in being able to take snaps from under center and operate from under center because it's a different deal um, as opposed to shotgun where you're looking at the ball, uh, you know, to catch the snap uh, you as, as a under center quarterback, you should be looking at your first read or a, a, a key defender on a given situation. So like, you know, it, it might be reading reading and locating the white backer. It might be locating where the safeties are at. And as you are dropping back, already having that read, which is, you know, a big reason why, like, Joe Montana and those, you know, is a guy who loved under center is he felt like he had a little bit of an advantage in knowing what the defense was doing as he was dropping back as yep. opposed to catch just to uh, catch the ball and then locate things in the defense. So, yeah, it's it's at the very least there sort of needs to be universal agreement on on what it means because again I, I've told you what it means when I hear it, yeah, or when I use it. I- yeah, and, and the thing now is, look, I mean, you know, and you know, everybody 
is just better athletes nowadays. So that kind of comes along with it. And um, I love what you said about the Joe Montana thing. It would come out of center because I remember watching a lot of things about what he said. And a lot of it was is he felt he could watch the way you know, the coverage, linebackers, safeties, the way their footsteps you know, were in tune with his footsteps, which allowed him to say, oh, bing, okay, linebacker stepped out, now I have my tight end over the middle, and it was cohesive, And but yes, a lot of that, I mean, you know, is, you know, probably, it's a lot different the way the game is played now, so, but again, I mean, the term, yeah, I mean, the term probably needs to die, but if you're still a six foot five, 230-pound quarterback who can throw the living hell out of the ball, I mean, I guess that's what you're going to be labeled if you're not very athletic. So it's that is a it's a. I mean, that could probably be but, an itself. But, but, but the thing of it is, like, so um, obviously when Baker Mayfield came out, that was a big emphasis. Well, he's just a sprint quarterback. I mean, I, I get it, but he was making pro reads. He was being asked to diagnose things. It wasn't just you know throw a bunch of guys in space and and make it work. He was actually making those reads and working from from read to read and, and executing from that standpoint. And that's where people can sort of get confused is, is like, you know, originally when the, when this thing got popular, it was because it was making it so much easier. And, and, and the reads have sort of changed in terms of what guys are focusing on, but you know, mo- whether it's gun or, or under center, it, it, it comes down to what are, what are you reading? What are you diagnosing? And, and most and, and part of this is that the spread has sort of influenced everything else. And so much of what offenses do, and I don't care what level you're talking about, is, is finding a weakness on defense and running plays that specifically ask you to read that defender or move that defender or whatever. So you're really just doing, you know, one or two reads. You're not doing one and two and three and, you know, whatever happens after that. So that's the part, that's a different thing. And and so much of like what the spread used to be at one point was a lot of one read and go in terms of pull it and run it type stuff. But there, there's just a lot of sort of nuance into that, but like that, I, that was absolutely a thing with Baker Mayfield. That was a thing with Pat Mahomes and you know, that was stuff that sort of people who insisted that this thing hadn't evolved were sort of being left in the past. Um, and it's, it, I don't think it's changed much in other sports. I mean, basketball, you talk about, you know, 25, 30 years ago, it was really good defense and it was, you know, it was, and you know, 96 to 92, outcomes and you know football you always had your 20 to 17 now it's you know you maybe need to put up 30 to hope that maybe you won a game and look it evolves with the you know with the athletes that play this game now and the fact that they're all bigger stronger faster and yes there's probably definitely a case for some terminology changes um ways to help pete and i uh itunes rating reviews guys go ahead drop a five star drop a written review over there Browns Maven, uh, sign up, be a member. Uh, Pete's putting out the video work uh, day in, day out until we can start getting to the point where we can just you know have better options of content, whether it's written, video, audio. He's busting his ass over there for the time being. So, you know, with the best he can do right now, because we are in this lull period, which obviously led to a Jimmy Garoppolo versus Mitchell Trubisky debate on Twitter today. Um, but that is a way you guys can help us. And I appreciate everybody, you know, for being along for the ride. And look, I, I understand everybody's juices are flowing. We're ready to go. Look, we are ready to go. We're ready to work. We just need more to put out more for you guys.
Now, this one's a bit of an interesting one. Um, at Steelers Empire, uh, podcast, uh, Pittsburgh Steelers podcast. And it's on, it's kind of interesting because they have almost 50,000 followers and they only follow about 600 people. I'm one of them. Um, so they threw a question in today when I put it out on Twitter. Who do you, what do you think the Browns need to do to beat the Steelers this year? And uh, um, we're not going to get into the you know crap talk, talking aspect of this because Pete and I, we put a great emphasis on this. This is... This is taking down Big Brother, and Pete, you've always used the phrase of, you know, driving the wooden stake through the freaking heart. Um, this hasn't changed. Uh, the, Steelers, the Steelers right now, I mean, they are, you know, they're Big Brother. It's It's got to change, and if you don't take them down, it's, you're still here. It's it's great that you're better, but you're still not the best. Right, so when it comes to beating the Steelers, the key is putting Ben Roethlisberger on the ground. That has been the thing. That has been the consistent issue that has plagued the Browns, even in games where they had a chance to beat the Steelers, is they could not get Roethlisberger on the ground. He'd he'd uh, extend plays long enough, and you know, obviously he's not there anymore. But it will ultimately be find Antonio Brown, who would stick the da- the dagger in and 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 beat you that way. So, and and certainly the Browns are are, are geared to do that but that has been the issue for them is entirely a matter of get ben on the ground put put ben on the ground and keep him on the ground and anytime they've beaten him that has been a big part of it uh and and times they've lost including one where it looked like it broke the goddamn guy's leg in the first half and he came back and beat them on what what was later uh to be revealed a just a uh high ankle sprain uh, you know, in, in part of his deal with the devil, uh, the Browns draft tight end uh, who, uh, you know, twists his knee on a motorcycle and basically ruins his career. Ben Roethlisberger. What's he up to a, right now? Uh, never mind. He, I think he's got a roommate. Um, <laughs> ben Roethlisberger, on the other hand, without a helmet, goes face first into a windshield and gets nothing but a concussion. Um uh, you know, that's sort of the luck of the draw with there. But, yeah, I mean, it, 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 every the consistent issue with Roethlisberger has get him to stay on the ground. They can do everything else. Uh, I think they will be in a position to put up points. That would be the – I mean, that would be the other thing is, is put them in as many obvious passing situations as possible to sort of uh, negate uh, things like being able to use James Conner on the ground and, and those issues and put – an offensive line that that I don't think is as I think Ben Roethlisberger is a big reason in addition to Mike Munchak who's no longer there. Uh, the offensive line is so good uh, is is because when they had uh, when they, anytime they they've played Landry Jones who's two and zero against them which is sad. Um, their 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 pass protection is nowhere near as good and that's the value of having a quarterback who really understands uh, pocket presence and manipulating those things and that so. You put Ben around the put Ben on the ground. You're in good shape. Uh, and obviously, when it came to last year in the game they tied, they just had to score more points. And I don't think that's going to be an issue with Baker Mayfield so much. Uh, you get five or six turnovers, you better win the goddamn game. Uh, and they had to settle for a tie last year. Uh, so, Ashford, a hundred percent there. Uh, and look, it, it's you know uh, the. An incredible quarterback class of Ben Roethlisberger, Philip Rivers, Eli Manning. But, you know, these guys are, you know, none of them can move anymore. Um, you know, Eli is, 
by far closest to being done. Um, maybe it might even be Ben if I had to say second. I don't even know if I put Phil. I'd put Philip as the guy who's like the anomaly to still be around. But maybe when you have eight kids or twelve kids or whatever the hell's going on in the Rivers household, you want to get the hell out of Dodge and go to football every day. Um, but yeah, you need to take. You need to basically. You know, you need to cut the head off of them. And that is, it's Ben Roethlisberger. Look, Juju's not a bad player. I'm sorry, Juju is a good player. Um, you've lost Antonio Brown. You've lost Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's time. But yes, this does. none of this happens in 2019 if you do not put it to the Pittsburgh Steelers and say, look, this is that will show everyone the change. It, it's This is it. It is now our division, and this is the way it's going to go. That's, it, that's what's going to have to happen. And hopefully with Miles Garrett. Larry Ogunjobi, Sheldon Richardson, Olivier Vernon, and Gennard Avery. Uh, look, when you get your hands on him, keep your friggin' hands on him. It ain't over until you are literally looking at his eyes when he's laying flat on his back. You have to basically slay the dragon, kill the beast, all of those types of superlatives or words. Um, uh, Giovanni Ravis, our buddy, always you know trying to bring things here. Obviously, he brought up the triplets, so thanks for that. Um, the SPs tonight, I don't watch the SB Awards. One for me, the great thing about the SB Awards is I love the Jimmy V Award. Um, if you ever just need to, you need a reality check in life. Go watch that first one where Jimmy V gave that speech. Watch it if you need to once a month, twice a year, and just see what some people are going through. I love that aspect of it. Um, but Pete, you know, when we mention, you know, if we mention the three-letter network out in California, or we mention the four-letter network. In Connecticut, it's that those are words that those are letters and networks that get you kind of fired up. It's not that; it's just the ESPYS are stupid. I mean, yeah. it's it's like a big it's like a big jock party. It's it, first the ESPYS had to beg people to go to it for years and years and years. They essentially had to pay people to go. But the the the, the premise of the ESPYS is handing out awards for sports, which already hand out awards. So, best team. Oh, I, I think there's a championship to settle that. You know, best player? Like, I, I think... I, well, best, I mean, and you look at what's gone in recent events. Best team, and if they're going to be there, it's most likely going to be the U.S. women's national team. Right. I mean, but I mean, like, best player. Like, I, I think I saw a thing that said Pat Mahomes won best player at the SP. What do you think means more to him? Winning the best player at the SP or winning the fucking MVP of the NFL? Like, right. it's... Exactly. It's, like, this is the thing, like... It, it, it's not. Even, idea, I don't even know if it's a B-lister award show. It's it, you know, and and they they've managed to make it into an event for athletes to go to, but the awards themselves are just stupid. Like they're trying to make it into sort of like the sports equivalent of having you know the Academy Awards or the uh, Grammys or Grammys or whatever. But those things don't have sort of you know other than sales, they don't have something that judges them on the, on their relative. Field. There's no like. I'm as well, but insanely contrived and unnecessary. Like, I, and I, I don't care even a little bit. It's ESPN. I mean, I guess I got part of the, but it's just the idea that sports has another layer of award. The layer of awards they have handed out by actually playing the sport, and then another layer of awards they hand out themselves. So it's just so unnecessary and stupid. And and the only reason I knew. The ESPYs were on TV is because Giovanni Ruiz brought it up. <laughs> well, 
Well, I mean, I know it is this day, and I, I, you know, I think in part this is why Major League Baseball actually turned the the break into a four day break. I think there's one game tomorrow night. Um, but part of the reason was is because the SPs were the day after the All Star game, and it's 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 a lot of pomp and circumstance. Look, if you're really, really that desperate for some sports tonight, and I understand, like there is nothing today. That's kind of the whole point of it is like, look, take a break, you know, from some aspect of it. Uh, there's really nothing sports ways tonight. That's fine. It's okay. It's okay. We can all use a day to compress a little bit. But it's, you know, I, it, it, 100%, I, like, I totally agree with you with that. Like, where does this rank in the achievements for these athletes who are going up there? Um, yeah, but, you know, if anything, it should hopefully be just, you know, one more night before the party of the U.S. Women's National Team is going to, you know, the lights are on. It's 2 o'clock. Can't go home. Can't stay here. So they had their celebration in New York today. They can celebrate in L.A. tonight. Um, I'm hoping all those ladies can make it because it looked like they really all really had a really damn good time today in New York. So that should maybe be the story of it. And for me, it's, you know, it's the Arthur Ashe Courage Award, you know, the Jimmy V, you know, all of that. That's That's what it should be about. Granted, you can't do three hours on it. But that's what it should be about and where they find, you know, some of these people who are doing extraordinary things that some people don't know about. And that's the highlight of the night. It shouldn't be that they think that Pat Mahomes is Pat Mahomes is the best player in the NFL, which we already knew six months ago. And, and, and in fairness, I don't give a shit about the Academy Awards either. Um, <laughs> if I saw a movie I liked, it, I don't care if it won an award or not. Right. Like, I mean, it's, don't give me. It's. I mean, it's cool if you like a movie and then it gets an award, I guess. But I'm not like. We're sitting there worried about it or any of that stuff. So yeah, I mean, again, it, it, it's it's not a big deal to me at all. It, like, I, it's if you're into the SPs, more power to you. I am not. I think it. I think it's just, it's just something they figured where we can do it on this night where there's nothing else going on, and you know, hopefully we can stop people from you know. I mean, I want to say drop a movie in the DVD, but in the D, but that sounds so freaking old. Let's keep people off of Netflix for tonight or whatever. And I mean, I'll be honest. I'm cur- I'd be I'd be damn curious to what it actually draws in viewership. I'd be stunned if it does very well. Oh, oh, that's the thing. I didn't used to, and it used to be a, a garbage, garbage fire. But uh, I think it does okay. Now, I, I I could be dead wrong about that, but uh, I, I think it does well enough. Obviously, it does well enough that they keep insisting on doing it, and they put a lot of money into it. So, well. But, all I can tell you is that Odell Beckham is there, and he looks like he's wearing a Girl Scout uniform. Oh, going with going with the the uh, skirt skirt look again, or is now just a general onesie? Uh, a beige like that, you know, Girl Scout beige thing. Uh, but I, I I mean I like his hair better. He, he got like a he he it's it's his own natural hair color, and it's not he got it shortened. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm for that, even though that probably sounds like get off your lawn shit. But uh, nevertheless, he does look like he's trying to trying to push some thin mints uh, <laughs> at the awards show, or a couple of boxes of dosey dos. And one thing, guys, uh, everybody on the video today of Odell throwing the football, just one thing: UCLA practice field. It's 80 yards long, so well, don't get totally. And I will remember it, this was ages ago. And if you're older, Jackie Slater, a long time, yes, Hall of Fame, he could throw a football 100 yards. So there's some guys who are just freaks in that capacity. But that UCLA practice field is 80 yards long. 
Yeah, that's the thing. Is like, it's don't get me wrong. It's very impressive to be able to throw the Every, ball. But Odell can, Odell can do all of this stuff. You give him a soccer ball, and he looks like he's a freaking World Cup player. But no, well, I, yeah, I mean, yes, I mean that is certainly a testament to how athletic Odell Beckham is. But my reaction is 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 you get an offensive lineman who used to play baseball. And chances are he could throw through the uprights. I mean, there's always a, a couple dudes who can just share. Like Mitchell Schwartz was a, I think he was a, he was a quarterback in high school. I expect he can throw the shit out of the ball uh, at this point. There's always, there's always like one dude. Like imagine uh, Brad Seaton on the on the Browns at six nine, three thirty. I mean, even if he just throws it like a fucking trebuchet. He may be able to knock out like somebody 500 yards away uh, trying to take out a siege tower. I mean, it's like I said, it's cool. I, I understand why these clips are popular. But in that case, I've seen, you know, our, our I can only tell our quarterbacks do not, you know, there are always going to be guys on our, our, our team who have a stronger arm in terms of just throwing the ball farther than than they do. Uh, it's just nat- nature of the beast. It's a question, can they hit the broad side of the barn? And the answer is usually no. Exactly. Can you hit a 10-yard square out on third and 11? Because that's what I need for him to lean forward and get the first down. Um, and even it's actually funny you brought up Mitchell Schwartz because um, his brother Jeff obviously now retired and you know does a lot of you know offensive line writing and that type of stuff on Twitter. You know, sometimes a little bit of pain in the butt. But um, Eric Decker recently retired from minor league baseball. Um, obviously, not a lot of people you know who he is. Uh, over two, he's basically considered like the legit Crash Davis. Uh, I think he hit a walk-off home run Friday night. Called it quits after that. Um, why he is somewhat now famous, um, he's married to Jen Sturger. But uh, all the retirement stuff came in. Jeff Schwartz were, used to be a pitcher. Eric Decker was his catcher. So now think of Jeff Schwartz, you know, who's now probably a washed-up offensive lineman. But you get him loose, and you get his arm right, and if his hips and knees are all working in sync, you probably toss a football 70 yards like it's nobody's business. So some guys are just freaks in some sort of things. And, look, if you can throw the perfect spiral, it's going to travel farther. So, you know, that type of thing. And, obviously, look, I mean, if you want to see any highlight to Odell throwing it, there's plenty of them out there, which should make for some fun calls for Fred next year where you guys can throw a lefty, you got to throw a righty, and that type of stuff. Uh, Pete, league-wise, Browns-wise, anything we missed? Uh, oh, uh, Josh Jacobs signed his contract. That was nice. Yes, actually, he's not the only one. There's a couple others out there, though, in the first round. Uh, he signed. Uh, they fully guaranteed it, so good on him. Good on them, I suppose. Uh, so he was signed, and the immediate question is, is he going to be, like, the best rookie running back in the NFL? And my answer is no. Um, so, yeah, that, that seems to be, I think, well, obviously the supplemental draft happened, and, and uh, the Cardinals ended up using a fifth-round pick to get uh, Jalen Thompson. Thompson. Um, that's pretty much where we had him yep. going that day three area and, 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 crappy, I don't, and to a crappy team. Yes. A, a crappy team that just needs bodies. Yes. Um, and, and I, and I don't know if, if, if it's been reported, I'm guessing the Browns did not bid. Um, there's three other guys that were in there that were cert- notable and they're all free, uh, free agents now. Um, so any, they're up for grabs. Um, so it's, it's, Remains to be seen where those guys will go. You know, there's one guy that's a tight end that I guess is somewhat interesting. I guess the Browns might have an interest. I expect they don't get any of them. I don't know if they're even interested in any of them, but that's that's at least something that happened. 
Yeah, and you know, Jalen Thompson, you know, maybe there's a position there, you know, and it's you know, like why we said the crappy team is where you were looking for bodies and you know, they have some nice names in the secondary, see how it all plays out. Obviously Patrick Peterson's gonna be suspended to start the season. Um, and you've you know, blown up, you know, basically essentially again after one year you blew it up again and you know, we'll see him. We'll see how it works out. Um and uh, you know, for a lot of people, will Kyler ever make that December matchup with the Browns? It'll be interesting from that standpoint. Uh, Pete Browns Maven, what's going on? Uh, yeah, uh, I will have something up tomorrow. I haven't said what. There's a bunch of stuff in the can. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but there, always something. Today was David Njoku uh, turning 23, um, and you know, I expect what would could be a, a huge, huge season for him. Um, who, and I think he's actually younger than the tight end that was eligible in the uh, supplemental draft. Uh, that's another Probably. part of that. Probably. Um, but yeah, so David Njoku, grats on 20, 20, uh, 23. Uh, there, what's today? Today's the 10th and three more days. I'll have another guy up for on, on, coincidentally with his birthday, but we'll see what I come up with for tomorrow. Uh, so there you go, guys. That was, that's what you can check out for at Browns Maven on Twitter. Make sure you're following over there. Uh, BrownsMaven.com for, you know, obviously Pete's written work over there and, you know, video content and all that stuff along with the audio. All the good stuff that he's putting up over there. Follow him at underscore Pete Smith underscore the show itself uh, at Locked on Browns, all lowercase. Um, like I told you today, guys, uh, you know, a couple of questions came into today's show. Send DMs, DMs over there. Um, look, I understand a lot of people are Twitter shy. That's fine. I get it. It's a great way to contact me. And, you know, I've gotten, you know, we get some good feedback there. You give me something. And, look, we're always using for stuff to use. You get me early, you probably got a really good shot of getting into the show as I try to set it up as the day goes on. Um, and the other thing is I do appreciate the questions because right now, you know, we're – we don't have as much to report on. Um, so if you have stuff you guys want to listen, you want to hear us talk about, by all means, send it over that way. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd, uh, throw a follow over there. Uh, we're just continuing to do the best we can, uh, you know, pump out some good stuff here for you guys as we get closer and closer to kicking this off because, again, I, I am just this excited about it. I cannot wait to see how this 19 Cleveland Browns product works out. So appreciate everybody. Uh, you know, uh, Blue Chew, thank you for that. Make sure you're, you know, obviously, you know, go to Browns Maven. Make sure you find us. Uh, get yourself a membership over there. iTunes, rating, reviews, whatever podcasting app you use. Make sure you are subscribed to Locked on Browns. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. <laughs>